Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. Uh, We are a podcast centered around the classical world. Our goal is to bring to you, the listener, all sorts of stuff from classicism so that you can understand it. Because it really, like, I think academia wants to wants to pretend it's harder to get into than it is yeah yeah trying to it hide makes you from feel you. real good to be Some smarter than smart, everybody else yeah. that's a mission statement right there <laughs> what like <laughs> put that on a plaque academia makes it feel like it's super hard yeah i mean <laughs> it's true is that something else we can put on a t-shirt academia makes things harder than they need to be uh-huh. i feel like all of our yes. introductions should be put on t-shirts that's awesome yeah yeah sure anyway my we, name is we, AJ we need an intern <laughs> yeah <laughs> my name is aj hannenberg <laughs> uh, and i am joined by my two brethren graham donaldson hi and thomas magby hello and we all are employed at a classical christian school down here in austin texas called veritas academy it's go a great def- place go defenders go defenders yeah. go defenders and uh we graham, are do you want to sing our fight song uh, Veritas, 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 we win all the time. Yep. Veritas, 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 yep. Veritas, Veritas, Veritas. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> That's a great song. Uh, so we're coming to you at the end of summer. Guys, this is it. This yeah. is... We just had in-service, the first day first of in-service. Day. So this is either Podcast 51 or Podcast 52, this which is, means that... This is 51. Oh. Our, our, so next week, we have a live recorded podcast going up for you guys. Uh, it, you won't be listening to it live, <laughs> obviously. But Unless you want to come to Austin, Texas and yeah. come to Veritas Academy's Paideo. Yeah, we have come a conference, conference. And it, we, I think our podcast is being recorded on Thursday. Yep. Right? Yeah. So two days from when this podcast goes live is our live podcast in Austin, Texas. You can search up Veritas Academy. We're on our new campus. You can come check out the brand new building that is stinking beautiful. It's really nice. And uh, yeah, so you can come check it out. And if you can't get down here to beautiful Austin, Texas, then you can hear that live podcast uh, next week. So, and that'll be 52. That'll be 50, that'll Isn't be that fortuitous, a, you that guys, that year. one year is yeah. when Paideia Crazy. podcast comes? Yeah. So that'll be one year for you all, but it's a mere 42 with me on the podcast. Wow, but yeah. who's yeah. counting? You've been track. Well, clearly, you, clearly you are. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. So like, really only episode 42 is what I'm getting at? That's true. Okay. I mean... Good. Well, you know, on our Wikipedia page, you know, uh-huh. like the Wikipedia pages of bands. We have a Wikipedia page? No, no. But on the Wikipedia on page Wikipedia. of a band, uh-huh. there's like, you know, the they have like the different timelines of when the different uh, lead singers and this guy dropped yeah. off and this guy came or in. Or like it's always a different bassist. Yeah, yeah. It's always yeah. a different bassist. <laughs> um, but they're still, that would be. Know. It would. It's always a different basis. Be a good name for a band. I like that. <laughs> and every night, and every show, every show exactly is a different guy. Basis. You guys yeah. gotta find him. And you have to. You have to keep him wacky. Like one, he's wearing like a jester hat and wait, and where is sandals he? There he is. Clogs or something. So like speaking about wacky, yeah. Today, what are we learning about Thomas? All right. So we're gonna be talking about uh, Greek tragedy. I guess. Oh, yeah. What a. It's kind of a wacky. after that yeah. upper of an intro. We're <laughs> we're gonna bring it back down. It's just. Uh, yeah, this is not going to be an upper. I guess not. It kind of, anyway, I was going to say it kind of has a happy ending, but that's not even really true. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about um, uh, a, a work of Greek theater. Uh, it's called um, Oedipus Rex or Oedipus the King, or um, it actually goes by a couple of names, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, and I think Graham and AJ have been giving me a hard time about like this being the play that we're going to talk about and probably rightfully so. Uh, uh, Freud in particular has taken this play and twisted it in, in a very strange way. And so when, I, when we hear this, we, there's only one thing that we really know about the, the play. Oedipus complex, right? Exactly. Uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, and then how that's a really poor reading of this play, but, uh, we'll do a little bit of background first for, and again, why we're talking about this play right now. Um, so we've talked about, We've talked about lots of things on this podcast. Thank you for listening to all these episodes. But one of... We assume. We assume. And <laughs> yeah. If you haven't... Well, you wouldn't be listening... Well, if you're no, starting... Might, what a strange go, one to start on. This one? I mean, if you go newest to oldest... Like, you gotta... I think you gotta... Is that how you, you listen? No, when you start a podcast, you gotta give them... Give, like, a new episode a try. Uh-huh. Because... You got to see where they are. They are That's now. True. And then yeah. go back to the early stuff. Because the early stuff is always worse. Our stuff is worse. Yeah. You think so? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess the like sound quality, Megby, the, sound quality and yeah, like yeah. the weird, we didn't have a good, I mean, we have a good rapport, but it just wasn't the I, But same I think quality. of the, I don't know, the episodes we reference back to the most are the first nine, because that's like Tripartite Soul, um, The Spheres, uh, the Spheres. I think um, you had one on, I think Ratio and Intellectus was back then. Anyway, it was, it was important ideas that were covered then. 
Um, and now, yes, and now we're just, just like, well, let's just talk about it's some plays, I guess. Now it's a Oful? Pod- awful? How do you, how do you pronounce Oful? that? Oful? I've never heard Oful. Is that a thing? It's uh, like the, the guts after you got an animal. They're oh, I think it's Oful. Is it Oful? Because yeah. yeah. I, I want to say Oful, but it just sounds like awful. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're making... Anyway. No, no, this is a I thing. believe you. But a thing that we've talked about before is that uh, a piece of what it is to... Um, uh, engage at least in classical education to educate oneself classically is to um, read historically, read chronologically. And so we've talked about um, some very old things. Uh, AJ recently talked about the Epic of Gilgamesh, um, which was a super interesting podcast. I learned a lot uh, because yeah, AJ well, opens talking about how well, we thank like, you, Thomas. Well, but like, you know how we've forgotten about Gilgamesh and you're totally right. Like it's when I think of classics, it's not the first that comes to mind. Um, we've, we've talked about the Iliad and the Odyssey before and in Mortimer Adler's great books, when he traces out kind of what, is included in great books. Um, he starts he starts with the Iliad and the Odyssey, and then he moves into uh, Greek tragedy, and then Greek comedy comes right after that. So that's the reason I wanted to look at Greek tragedy is that it's kind of the next thing. It, it's it's a period of time that we haven't covered yet, and it's an important period of time. There's development, progression in storytelling, and we'll kind of get into to how that works. Um, I could uh, have uh, started with Aeschylus, but there uh, with the Oresti, but I didn't do that. So I want to guess why. Is it sad? Well, it's tragedy, so this one's going to be a bummer, too. I mean, it's also, we, we sort of covered a lot of it in the House of Atreus episode. Yes. Right? I was going to say We that. already kind of went over it. Yeah. And then also, AJ knows way more about it than I do, so I have zero intention <laughs> of presenting myself as any. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But Oedipus, or Oedipus, it's a hard one. It's, it's a tough read. It's a, For its content matter, you're saying? Yeah, it's a sight for sore eyes. Ugh. <laughs> the puns, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess maybe we should jump into the, uh, the plot of it, because that's probably the best place to start. Uh... No, I changed my mind. So, theater. Um, AJ, you are a renowned director of, a former director of plays at Veritas Academy. Renowned is a strong word. Yeah. Uh, and well, I, we remember them. Yeah. You are renowned. There are, yeah, I guess there are stories the still memorable. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are memorable. <laughs> oh, director, man. can Did you talk I, about it? Yeah. Were you, were you there for my first play? I wasn't. I wasn't oh. even here for your first play. No. So one of was my, that Tom Sawyer? Yeah. So one of my first plays was, I, I called it Tom Sawyer off script. And what it was is, <laughs> it just sounds like. Uh, sorry. I'm oh yeah, it's it's very much a school production. Yeah, um, yeah. That what I did is I wanted, I wanted half of my, my actors to be on script and they have to follow script no matter what, no matter what everyone else says, and then the other half are going to be improvising the scenes for the very first time. <laughs> and so whoever was carrying the scene, right, whoever had the dialogue that brought all the plot points in, they were the one that had to stay on script, and then whoever else was there had to be just sort of going along with what was happening. So he'd be like, hey, Tom, did you bring the cat? And he'd be like, yeah, I got it in my backpack. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is a good dead cat. And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I bashed it good before oh, I no. came over. It's got dark. Right? And, and it would be like, it's, I, still, I still maintain that it's a good conceit for a play. Right? I, I still think it'd be funny. But the problem is that I was working with junior hires and... When they improvise, they kind of freeze up. So what it ended up being awesome. was half a play and then a bunch of sort of mute junior hires that weren't <laughs> saying very much. Yeah. And, and on top of that, on top of that, so I had in my head this big, beautiful set. Oh, yeah. And I painted these giant, nine, like nine-foot-tall canvases. I think they were nine feet tall, 15 mm-hmm. feet wide. And uh-huh. I made it look like a storybook. And I actually built a thing so that it looked like you were looking at illustrations of Tom Sawyer. It was beautiful. But what I didn't think about was that my techs are not nine feet tall people. And so I had these little seventh graders trying to flip over these nine foot tall canvases over the back of the storybook and they couldn't. And so for every every uh, downtime, right, every transition between scenes, I had to turn on the music, run, run. to the front of house, flip as many canvases out as I could myself, make sure everything else was in place and then run back stop the music and hit the lights. Like I was running everything. And that usually took about seven minutes. So how, long, how long did the whole play Which take? Which does not sound like much, but when you're sitting in darkness in a play, that is a long, long time. So how long was the play overall? Uh, I don't remember. It was something like an hour. Um, it doesn't sound so bad. I thought you were going to be like, it was three hours long. No, it wasn't so bad, but I was... 100% positive after it was done that I was going to be fired <laughs> instantly, like instantly fired. And the parents still came up. They're like, hey, it was great. Yeah. You had a good time. Good job. And I was like, they handed me flowers and I was like, you liars. <laughs> I don't deserve these. I don't deserve you these. Just go to a movie before this and like, and 
to come up with this idea? What do no, you no, mean? no. They oh. did like not see this play. Like, are you confusing two things? What? I'm just assuming for that. the parent. Like, what did they actually? Oh, what did they see? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They but saw their kid on stage. That's the thing that's I learned. Yeah. That no yeah. matter what no. their kid is doing or how they're involved, or they could be just like throwing water balloons <laughs> at a turtle, and yeah. everyone would be super happy that their kid was near a stage. Well, at least we didn't do Oedipus, though. Yeah, thank you. That would go very poorly. Yeah. Uh, and Graham, you've talked on this podcast before about your love of the was it the opera, the ballet? What do y'all have tickets? Ballet. To? There it is. Oh no, we have the low symphony. We have t- symphony. tickets to the symphony. Go. Sorry, yeah, it's still fine. We've arts been related. we've been to the ballet. Yeah. Um, do you go to Zach Scott or any of the theaters? No, near not you? really. Um, we we haven't um, done much live stuff in Austin. Yeah. Um, but you know, three people who are uh, somewhat affiliate or you know aware of um, theater, fine arts, culture. Three cultured men. That's why we have cultural stuff you should know. Yeah, Our so hit podcast on I'm iTunes. Sure. I wonder if they're anyway. I probably should look that up before I make jokes about that. But uh, so. I was in theater in high school, and uh, so the, was I. Wait, for real? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was in musicals. Was, there we go. We got this. Connection. Were we all three theater kids? Yeah, mm-hmm. that explains a lot. Oh, actually. oh no, yeah. sorry, yeah. listeners. I'm, yeah. Well, I've been sorry for you all for fifty-one episodes. So here we are. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry, I'm glad you're I've listening. I've been sorry for forty-two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> so good. That was good. Zing. <laughs> Who's keeping track now? Okay, so uh, you all were in theater in high school. Did you all compete in? Were you? Did you all go to public or private school? Public. public okay so did you well uil is a texas thing right did you also have some kind of like competition for one act plays wherever you competitions in canada friend <laughs> you all have some kind of competitions right uh, no you all send people to the olympics every once in a while right yeah but for snow stuff okay good we didn't have any theater comp stuff oh, really? we just put on plays okay cool. i was always the comic relief like i'm imagining you in a jester hat like yeah uh I'm... i have played a drunk a neurotic lawyer i think another drunk and what about on stage <laughs> wow zing that's a good one okay so in uh in texas at least i don't know uh there's a competition called one act it's called one act play so it's a uh competition within uil um and we also have a competition at veritas it just falls under taps so it's just a different um I guess league or whatever that would be called a uh, different competitive group that it falls under. Anyway, there's an annual competition of theater. And I remember all through high school, people complaining, why do we have a competition for theater? Theater is subjective. Theater is art. It should just be enjoyed. And you can't really pick one as better than the other. Is this a thing you've ever heard before? But I mean, you can do theater badly. Not that we've heard any recent examples of a play that didn't go very well. I don't think I've ever even seen one. Yeah. Seen a bad um, play? Oh, yeah, they all go well. <laughs> are you talking about ours? Oh, no, I'm like, just I'm, kidding. We, I, like, when you were literally just talking about, about, oh, about yours. Um, sure. but, uh, but, I mean, so there's ways that you can, yeah, there's ways that can be more polished, more professional. Um, comedy, jokes can land, jokes can't land. If, if the kids can't deliver well, if there's no emotional punch, there's totally ways to do plays better than other plays. And I think even someone who would say, you can't evaluate it. No play is better than any other play. It's all art. Would still pay money to see Some something people, good, like yeah. The Lion King or Cats or Phantom Hamil- of the Opera. And then, the a bunch of them, and then they would look at reviews for something else and be like, ah, we don't want to go. Don't it looks like a bad play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They would say bad play mm-hmm. even after... Even after thinking it's all subjective and one's not actually better. Yeah, they're, they're not going to... Yeah. I only bring it up because uh, it's just interesting in, in reading about the history of uh, Greek... Uh, theater broadly, but tragedy specifically, uh, the the history of it is in competition. Um, there um, was an old comp- there um, was an old festival to Dionysus that was the Dionysia Dionysia, um, and it would be held every year. And there would be multiple tragedies put on. And then after a while, they added a, like a comedy category. So it's kind of like this Oscar thing that's going on where mm-hmm. they're adding a new like, mm. pop. Yeah. So um, the Dionysia went through this also. But yeah, every year there would be a uh, competition for tragedies, and the and tra- the award for tragedy was generally viewed as the more honorable of the two awards. Um, it was more serious; it was just more um, more honored. It mattered more, and um, this led to people were like wanting to put on really good tragedies, which led to three um, famous playwrights um, kind of coming into their own during this time. So one of them is Aeschylus, who we just talked about. Um, so most famous for the Oresti. And um, where you guys? I think it's pronounced Oresti- Oresteia. There you go, or Oresteia. Oresteia. And um, following on Aeschylus, um, 
uh, Aeschylus and Sophocles uh, went up against each other in the Dionysia, and Sophocles uh, beat Aeschylus. Um, so Sophocles took first place, and um, Aeschylus took second. And there's some stories then that Aeschylus like uh, exiled himself, like he was so ashamed to have lost this award after winning so many first first awards. Um, Sophocles went on to win the. Um, he is the person who has won the most of these first place awards in the Dionysia, uh, but. In fact, the play we're talking about today, Oedipus Rex, did not win first place. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Anyway, um, Sophocles is followed by Euripides. And then um, in terms of like famous Greek playwrights, Aristophanes follows that. But Aristophanes is known for uh, comic plays. So I think of Lysistrata as his most famous, but maybe the frogs or... Clouds. Clouds, sure. Um, so, uh, but he, again, a one in the comedy category, not the tragedy ca- category. So viewed a little bit differently. And so all four of these playwrights are included in one volume in great books. And so that's kind of why we're talking about this right now. Um, so we uh, talked about the setting that um, the Dionysia is where these plays were put on, where they were shown off and where they competed. Um, this just, there are all kinds of weird things I learned in preparing for this. So uh, guys, the word comedy uh, comes from two Greek words. Do you want to guess what those two Greek words are? Comus and Dea. Tell me about those two words. Comus is a multi-toothed plastic object <laughs> uh-huh. that you use to style your quaff. Yeah, uh-huh. your hair. A comus. Your hair. And then uh, Dea comes bef- after uh, Morninga. <laughs> well done. Um, okay. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, listeners. We I don't apologize know for those. That's bad. Figure out one yeah, I made those up. Did so, I get one right? No, not a chance. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so comedy is made up of two Greek words. First is, um, well, actually, so the, the end of it, the eddy of comedy, um, it, uh, is the same word from which we get ode. So do you want to guess what that part of it means? Song? Song. So that part of it means song. And then the, the com, the come part at the beginning comes from a Greek word, which um, means many things. But one of those words is festival. So it's a festival song, um, which is kind of what this was, that it was a festival of presentation is uh, where this came from. Okay, so how about tragedy? So, uh, so I'm assuming the ode at the end, song. This still means song. What's eh, the first part of point. it? Point. The 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 trag at the beginning comes from a Greek word, which means funeral. One guess for funeral. Uh, I take it back. Mm, festival. Rainy day. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a red Death? flag for uh, Death, too many guesses. Death is the second guess. The correct answer is goat. So tragedy means goat song. I was definitely closer. You, <laughs> because goats die, I guess. I don't, but the goats have rainy days, too. Goats have funerals. Goats have funerals. You're right. I don't, actually, that's not true. They're a solemn group. But it's, I guess. Their so, whole life is a funeral. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Speaking of tragedy. No, it, uh, so tragedy comes, tragedy means goat song, which is weird. But the reason, a reason that it's proposed that it means goat song is that uh, for winning the tragedy, well, there's a long history to this Dionysia thing, but um, story goes that for a long time, the plays were not really plays. It would be a group of people uh, called the chorus would stand up and kind of speak at the audience. And speak is even a strong word because there would be singing or dancing. Um, the chorus does a lot of stuff, uh, but normally it's just recorded, just regular words. And so you'd think they're just speaking. So that's, that's kind of the first version of Greek theater. Well, then a dude steps out from the chorus and you now have monologue. You have monologue and then chorus behind him. Um, do y'all, does anyone remember the name of that first guy? In, in Oedipus? No, uh, we are, we are pre, uh, I'm going to say Oedipus. This Sorry, entire, Oedipus. But you can say Oedipus if you want to. Uh, we are pre that so much at this point. We're still setting the, the stage of kind of where this Greek tragedy comes from. The first person who comes in and talks? Yeah. First person who steps out, steps, steps from the chorus and is an actor himself. Just one actor. Protagonist? Oh, wouldn't that be cool? So it's Thespis. Thespis is the first oh, like one. Thespian. Which ah. is where we get yeah, the word thespian. Cool. All right. So Thespis steps out um, in this first sure. tragedy uh, in which there's like an actual character. And he, and for that play, they win the tragedy category. Well, what do they get for winning the tragedy car- category? Goats. They get a goat. And so that's where they then get this word for it's a goat song. Mm. So um, the play itself is the song. You get a goat for doing a good one. It's a goat song. So Sophocles was rich in goats. <laughs> he had many a goat. Many goats. Um, I know what we're doing if our, if our guy's been one act again. Oh, give him a goat. Oh, <laughs> that's a good amazing. idea. We're bringing a goat to campus. So some kid is going to get stuck with a goat and <laughs> yeah. his parents will be so mad. <laughs> Super mad, seriously. Um, so then, so... Um, Thespis's 
first big thing was to separate himself from the chorus and have one actor versus a chorus. Um, then Aeschylus comes along and says, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had um, multiple characters step out? So two characters. Uh, and then uh, Sophocles, uh, you'll be, uh, you will uh, sh- be shocked to find out, said, hey, what if we did three characters? So this is, it's a very easy progression to watch. But you see that the movie... I see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I don't know if uh, Euripides goes for four just to keep things crazy. But essentially, it's the movement away from a chorus to like actual individual actors with their own personalities. Hmm. So I thought the Tragedy Goat song thing was funny. Okay, so that has set our stage. And we're about 20 minutes in, so this feels... Set the stage. See what we did you there. scoundrel. Thanks, so you stop. Okay, so the play that we're talking about today You're is... You're going to get the goat. <laughs> I want to get the goat is uh, is Oedipus. Now this play, you might see many different names for it. Uh, if you see Aristotle writing about it, he only calls it Oedipus. There's no um, word Rex, that, the yeah, king. There's oh. no, well, so Rex is Latin, but he would have used mm. Tyrannos and there's no Tyrannos after that because um, Oedipus was written as its own play. Um, you will often see it, um, collected in a set in a set of three which is what i have um uh, and they will call them the three and you all should correct my pronunciation because they're all so often bad the three theban plays three theban yep, plays. Theban. okay yep. cool so the three theban plays are antigone oedipus the king and oedipus at colonus 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 okay um so those three plays are normally packaged together but they didn't they were not written for each other mm-hmm. they were not originally written as a three-part set they each are their own. They're each one piece of a, of a different three piece or four piece set, but we lost the rest of them. We don't have the rest of them. And so in lieu of um, Oedipus, the King and the plays that would have come from it, we package these three together. Aren't, weren't they typically any of the plays at the Dionysian festival, you would write three tragedies yeah. and one comedy. So yeah. every person that entered would generally write four different plays yeah. for whatever happened. And so I think that's why winning the tra- the tragedy was probably so much more prestigious is that there was just more competition. More. Yeah. Right. If I'm, if we're each writing three plays and I win, I have to, I have to beat out six other plays. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's also funny cause it'll depend on uh, when you're competing, whether that comedy is there or whether you can only write the comedy. Um, but yes, exactly. That's, it is a much bigger deal for tragedy. And, uh, your point there on there being multiple plays then leads to, um, this is, I don't know if y'all heard of this. Aristotle had this theory of the three unities. Have y'all heard of this before? There's this theory that like plays need to have these three unities is what he called them. And one of them is unity of time. And the th- and unity of time means they take place over essentially a 24 hour period. Like you don't skip over a bunch of time. Well, the reason Aristotle writes about that is because like you're literally sitting outside watching three plays after each other. The play is better if it lines up with the time you're watching the play, mm. which is kind of cool to think about mm-hmm. that. Like, huh. um, um, a play that takes place in the morning, you're watching in the morning. So there's a unity between nature and what you're watching. Um, so anyway, there were two other unities, but I mean, that makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of really bad B movies where they obviously shot a scene that's supposed to be happening at the same time, yep. but at different times of the day. And so it's lit very differently and they go back and forth between the two lettings and you're like, Oh, <laughs> it's like, very clearly this is their the budget one. probably didn't stretch <laughs> enough for, <laughs> for only they only shoot that location once. Well, my favorite is when they're supposed to be indoors at night, but you catch little glimpses of daylight through like the the bags over the windows. That's my favorite. What kind of, movie, what kind of bad movies are y'all watching? All of them. Apparently, very bad ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the title of this play. So again, originally would have just been Oedipus because it, it it was Sophocles's Oedipus. There were other people who wrote different versions of Oedipus. Um, Homer wrote a version of it, which I don't think uh, lasted. Uh, I don't think we still have that. But there's a Homeric version. Um, other playwrights did it also. Um, but Sophocles is, um, Oedipus is the most famous one that, that we have. Uh, it was then separate. Yeah. It was distinguished from the others by calling it Oedipus the King, but you'll sometimes, you might see this as Oedipus Rex. The Rex is Latin for King. So that's all that means. And, but the original, uh, modifier would have been Oedipus Tyrannus, which again, my Greek is horrible. So if it, if that's not the right pronunciation, then I'm sorry, Grecians. Does but it mean tyrant? It means Oedipus the tyrant? Yeah, so it just means ruler. It means ruler. We've given that connotation that, to it as time's gone on, but, but at the time, so Tyrannosaurus Rex is oh, like. I took my thing. Oh, sorry. No, say it. What does Tyrannosaurus Rex mean? It means king, king. Well, well, what's the saurus? Yeah, I guess it means like lizard king, lizard king. king, so king of the lizards, king lizard king. No, my my favorite uh, translation is king of the tyrant lizards. Isn't that cool? <laughs> oh, oh, that's, 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 oh, that's 
So Tyrannosaurus Rex is. I feel like of, we're just that, inventing band names. Coincidentally, that's a <laughs> coincidentally that's a really that's a B movie that I've watched. <laughs> King of the Tower. King of the Tower. I, I, I want to act in that movie. Man, I've, I feel like I've probably seen a movie that's like that. <laughs> There's got to be a movie with Have, that. Uh, oh man, uh, the Mario Brothers film. Oh, that movie's. Did you ever watch that one? Hot garbage. Are people lizards in that one? Aren't there lizards? Oh, played by Dennis Hopper. What is it? You guys, you listeners, if you want to Please see a good watch, bad movie, watch, go watch no, the old Mario bad, Brothers bad, films. Bad, There's bad like movie. goo and weird evolution and oh, it's And great. Dennis Hopper. And Dennis Hopper. From Apocalypse Now, Dennis Hopper plays what, uh, King Koopa. What lows he has fallen to. Oh my goodness. Doesn't King Koopa have like a little tiny head? Is that, I don't know. Anyways, I one of them has a little tiny movie. dinosaur head. I think you're thinking of the game, right? Oh no, it's in the movie? movie. There's someone who has a little, anyway. Yeah, really? Clearly they don't want to watch this movie again. So, hot take on Mario Brothers in the movie. Go. Man, how did that movie even happen? Anyway. We we yeah, guys, we gotta... <laughs> nah, we're fine. Okay, so King of the Tyrant Lizards is a super cool name, and I love that, so that's Tyrannosaurus Rex. But, were you gonna say something? No. Okay, so all that to say, um, um, so you'll see different names for Oedipus, and they all mean the same thing. So even if you see Oedipus Tyrannus, it's not saying he is a tyrant in that modern sense of it, because in the Greek sense, he was a leader. He was... Um, um, uh, uh, King of his city, which is the story that we'll go into in a little bit. Okay, let's dive into some plot, and then I have bunch. Uh, I have a lot of notes on here for like um, the, whatever tangents you all end up following. Um, I have some lines for us to go to. So just wherever you find interest, start Yay. start talking. Um, first off, um, the name Oedipus. This is weird. Uh, the name Oedipus has a meaning. The name Oedipus means swollen foot. Is that weird? But. It's because of his childbirth, or his childhood. His childhood. It is because of his childhood, which it becomes a, a major plot point later. But it's just kind of weird that, like, yeah, we'll get to themes in a second. But that like, we don't name our children after <laughs> things like that? Well, I mean, after a deformity he has. Well, I mean, you wonder how many we'd name Soft Head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't all of them be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guess, yeah. Anybody that doesn't have anything remarkable, well. Yeah. And there are, and we'll get to why he has swollen feet. But, yes, he, he is defined by this trait of his. And uh, a, a an important thing to be listening for as we go through the plot is um, is destiny is um, how destiny cannot be altered, uh, which I think is a point that Sophocles gets to. But we'll talk about that as we go. All right. So before the play happens, there's this dude named Oedipus. Uh, so again, play has not started at this point. Some of this information comes from the play, but um, people oh, would have known it. People would have known it exactly. So. The, um, before the play, there's this dude, Oedipus, and he uh, previously lived in Corinth, but he got a prophecy one day, and that prophecy scared him, and we'll talk about that prophecy later. And so he fled, and he went to um, Thebes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, he's wandering around, and he ends up in Thebes, and Thebes is under the control of a sphinx. And so Oedipus is super smart, and he goes up against the sphinx and says, hey, I want to take over this town. What's your deal? And the sphinx says, if you solve my riddle... Uh, you can have the city and I'll go away. And so Oedipus goes, sure, let's do it. Sphinx asks a riddle. Now, is there a possible punishment if he doesn't get the riddle? He gets killed. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he does. So, you know, risk and reward. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What's well, a high reward, though? I mean, getting to be king Getting of the, the whole city, that's pretty yeah. good. I mean, back then? Yeah, it's, it's worth city something. State? Yeah, sure. So he, so just in researching this, there's, there are conflicting accounts of whether um, this version of the riddle would have existed at that point. But it's a riddle, I think, that you've heard before. So mm-hmm. let me give it to you. Do you know this one already? I do. Yeah, do you want to say it? Um, What walks with four legs in the morning, two legs at noon, and three legs in the evening? Something like that. Yeah, exactly. And then the answer is Is, is man. It sounds like man, yeah. Mm -hmm. Baby, adult, and then someone with a cane? Yep, you got it. Uh, A version of this. You guys, I would rule the city right now. (laughs) Seriously. That's all I'm saying. But I wonder if it's only, like, if we had never heard that riddle before. I'm not not sure I have. Oh, really? Hey, you're smart. I've, I've never read this play. That's cool. Uh, so the that riddle, the, the riddle of the Sphinx is referenced many times to say, hey, Oedipus, you're really smart, but it's never said this is what the riddle is. So then there's question of like, did did the playwright, did um, people watching the play know the specific riddle or did they just know that this is kind of the story of Thebes? And it looks like that that riddle came to be later in Greek history than Oedipus Rex. Um, I probably should have mentioned um, um, all three of the major Greek um Playwrights, Greek uh, tragedy writers were writing between um, um, 500 and 400 BC, so sixth to fifth century BC. So, all in that hundred year window, which is kind of so. Sphinx gives a riddle, Oedipus gives the right answer, and then what happens? Uh, Sphinx goes away. Uh, there are different accounts of what happens to the Sphinx, but you know, Sphinx goes away. Uh, okay, maybe starts working at a Toys R Us. What's the Sphinx? 
Like I know, uh, I know the Sphinx in I know yeah. the Sphinx in Egypt, but same thing. It's a lion yeah. with a human head. Yeah, same thing. Oh, okay. And Mystical be- priests, and they're they're renowned for asking riddles on pain of death. Right. That's the, yeah. that's kind of like their it. thing. Yep. So he would have been um, strangled to death if he had not gotten it right, but he got it right. Strangled? So. Really? That's if you're a lion man, you're like strangling? That's you're do. She strangled it's and devoured like and devoured. Anyone who could not answer, Oedipus solved the riddle by answering man who crawls on all fours as a baby, then walks on two feet as an adult, and then uses a walking stick in old age. Mm-hmm. So it seems, it seems like strangling would be harder than just... If you had little bear paws? Like, yeah. 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 That's a good you point. thumbs. Maybe that's the point. Like, it's not supposed it's to be pleasant. He has to go through a long effort to make yeah. it happen, yeah. and you just kind of have to wait. Poor guy. Well, poor guy for lots of reasons that we'll get to. Okay, so this is so that's the setup to Oedipus coming to Thebes, answers the riddle. He's he's made king immediately, and things are great until a plague falls on the city. Uh, there are many things that this plague does, but among them is that um, um, babies are dying stillborn, and um, uh, livestock are not able to to give birth cool. to new. Uh, to new little baby cows. And that's stuff. a rough plague. It, it's a bummer. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the main thing that the plague does, but there's also sickness that comes along with it just as a regular plague. But essentially infertility is the, is the primary part of this plague that they bemoan. Um, so uh, Oedipus is wanting to know what to do and what, um, what has caused the gods to be mad at Thebes. What, what has stirred their anger? So going to Delphi. Exactly. So, uh, well, and, Oedipus, because he's kind of a jerk, uh, doesn't do it himself. He sends his... Um, he's a king. He's a busy guy. I know. I, he's not a jerk, sure. But he is a jerk, but we'll get to that. This is not why he's a jerk. So instead, he sends Creon. So Creon is his wife's brother. Is that his uncle, then? Wife's brother? Uh, no, brother-in-law? No, what's that make him? His wife's Bro- brother's brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. Yeah. brother-in-law. So, brother-in-law. So Oedipus sends his brother-in-law to go to the Oracle of Delphi. Is, is he from the old Greek town of Crayola? Is he a Crayola? Is <laughs> he Creon Crayola? Creon Crayola. How yeah. did you know? Uh, <laughs> I'm very excited for more puns for these names because many of them I don't know how to pronounce, which will be even more in, in, uh, embarrassing. So uh, so Creon is sent to the... The Creolians. Uh, the Oracle of Delphi. For him. <laughs> and, um, the, and Creon comes back and the Oracle has an answer for him. And that answer is written in verse on page 164, if you're following along in the Penguin Classics edition. Apollo commands, he was quite clear, drive the corruption from the land, don't harbor it any longer past all cure, don't nurse it in your soil, root it out. So there's a corruption that needs to be rooted out. Oedipus says, what is it? And Creon says, banish the man or pay back blood with blood. Murder sets the plague storm on the city. And they eventually find out that the murder that is being avenged by the gods at this point is the murder of the previous king. Previous king, L-A-I-U-S. Laius? Laius? Laius. So Laius was murdered, and his blood is essentially crying out, and that is what's bringing out um, this plague. Uh, but Oedipus was not in the city when that happened, so he has no idea what they're talking about. Like, he doesn't know who did this murder. Um, all He just gets this information from the Oracle of Delphi. Uh, so he, with this information, brings in the chorus, and the chorus in this play represents the city, the the the, the men of the city of Thebes. Um, they um, they come, and Oedipus tries to comfort them by saying, "Hey, I know what the problem is, and I am going to get to the bottom of this. Um, whatever it takes, I'm going to find out this information." Uh, he is so committed to getting this information that he calls for um, Tiresias. Uh, Tiresias is a Tyrese, oh, Tyrese is a guy. He's, he's, a, blind, he's a big deal. Yeah, he's a big deal. He's the blind uh, fortune teller. He, blind, blind Theban prophet. I think he, is what he, they call he's him. A, he's a prophet. Uh, yeah, he's portrayed as a prophet here. Uh, his, does he show up in other stories? Oh, many. Oh, he's in the Odyssey. He's the guy that chats with Odysseus in the underworld and cool. says, "Hey, here's how you get home." He has also lived part of his life as both genders, huh. uh, oh, yeah. not at once, but separately. Yeah, and as then, a curse. Yeah, he's cursed. Like, he was struck blind, I think, in punishment for... He accidentally witnessed the gods mating. Yeah. In snake form. And then they had a bet, and then they asked him, and he did something. His answer was something Herod didn't like, so she made him blind. Mm -hmm. And so he he plays that role here. He is the blind prophet of Thebes. Oh, he's also in the Inferno. Oh, that's kind of a bummer, isn't it? He's a, well, he's what? a seer, and so he's one of those guys, oh. uh, soothsayers. So he's since he tried to see the future, he is punished in the Inferno with having his head twisted around so, and then walking forward, so he can never see where he's stepping. He shows up in T.S. Eliot's Wasteland. Man, look at this. See, Dude, this is why we... Tyresius is like a guy. He's the, a big deal. And I've read other plays where he's involved, too, just like other old Greek plays. He shows um, up a ton. A Canadian author named Timothy Finley wrote a book 
called Pilgrim that's about Tyrese. So one of Tyrese's curses is that he lives forever. Mm. And so it's really? about... Really? And he shows I, up in the underworld? I that's think weird. that's one of the different one of versions, the different right? versions okay, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But Tyrese's... Um, so it's this book where Tyrese's is still alive in the 1930s and <laughs> Carl Jung finds him and he's like, this guy's brain's messed up and then does like Jungian uh, can you, psychology can we talk about that on this, him. This, cause, anyway, um, but yeah. this is actually going to be perfect because um, Freud and Jung were... Um, they work together, right? Yeah. So the psychoanalytic movement. So that actually might tie it's in It's a really, really well. interesting book. Uh, Timothy Finley's The Pilgrim. Um, I kind of recommend it. It's probably one of the only Canadian <laughs> A qualified recommendation recommend. from Graham yeah. Donaldson. Yeah, it's Did been a while since I've read it. you trash your whole country's oh, fiction? Oh, man, our fiction yeah. is like such a bummer. It's just about snow. Yeah, it's like the snow's a metaphor for death. <laughs> That's a bummer. <laughs> so speaking of bummers, Oedipus. So Oedipus calls for Tiresias. Tiresias comes and uh, so... In following with the trope of ancient literature, he is a prophet, so he sees things clearly, but he is blind. Huh? So, um, Tiresias, Tiresias knows everything. So, Oedipus um, opens with this, like, high praise of him. Tiresias, you're so great. Oh, you got to do that with the prophet? You got to make Yeah, like, yeah. so he's sucking up to him. Got to butter his toast Yeah, 100%. Bit. But immediately, things aren't, things clearly are not right. So, um, Oedipus gives this really long talk. And there's like then this what I imagine is a is an awkward pause and Tiresias says, How terrible to see the truth when the truth is only pain to him who sees. I knew it well, but I put it from my mind, else I never would have come. And Oedipus Oedipus and Tiresias go back and forth with this confusion of like Oedipus is like, just dude, just tell me what the what the deal is. And Tiresias says, You don't want to know this information. Just stop asking questions, leave things as they are. Um and you'll be all, and things will turn out better than what than where you're going. But Thebes is going to have no kids. Yeah. Wow. This, this this might be a good question to come to at the end because um, there are multiple times where Oedipus is told stop stop right here go no further, um, but instead he pushes ahead and I think he's punished for that. I, I I think a part of his punishment is for the way that he is just pushing ahead always. Hmm. But you're right that the harm caused to others is much greater than one man. He's suffering. a king. He's yep. got responsibility. Yeah. Um, so, um, so what does Tiresias tell him? Tiresias eventually tells him everything. So, um, Tiresias stands up to Oedipus. So Oedipus is commanding him, um, tell me these things or else I'll have you killed. Um, Tiresias says, um, you may be a king, but I'm the one with the right to respond. Um, I'm the one who has information. You don't actually know. You don't know anything. Um, this is, this is very like empowering. Like he doesn't have this formal position of kingly power, but he knows what Oedipus wants to know. So he stands up to him. Um, and then eventually, um, Tiresias, so we're 20 pages into this thing of what is maybe about 80 pages and Tiresias just lays it all out, revealed at last brother and father, both to the, to the children he embraces to his mother, son, husband, both. He sewed the loins, his father sewed, he spilled his father's blood, like lays out the entire plot of it. Oedipus just ignores him. Um, so we then come back to Oedipus has some problems for which he is punished. Um, pride being a piece of that. Pride, anger, violence being a part of that. Anyway, Tiresias tells him everything, but he ignores him. So Oedipus, instead of facing what Tiresias has said, gets really mad at Creon, Creon being the one who had uh, sent for Tiresias. Oedipus brings out Creon and, um, uh, want, and, and tells Creon that he wants to kill him, that he is so furious at him for what he has done in putting Tiresias up to this that he wants to have Creon killed. Creon is in shock because he is he is honorable. Um, he's done the right thing. He's done what his king has asked him, and the accusations that Oedipus is making are um, insane. So um, this happens and doesn't really go anywhere. And then um, um, Oedipus's wife enters. Uh, her name is um, I think it's Jocasta. J O C A S T A. Jocasta. 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 Something. I don't know. See again, my pronunciations are not great. I read more than I speak. So Jocasta. Who knows. Let's just go call her Jocasta. Jocasta? Janine. Let's call her. Oh. No, Jocasta. <laughs> so Jocasta <laughs> um, enters, um, sends Oedipus away, talks with Creon, and um, kind of settles things. Um, she then tells this, this really weird story. So um, Oedipus is going on about this prophecy that he's worried about. Um, Oedipus received this prophecy when he was Corinth that he was going to kill his dad and uh, marry his mother. And so he was really nervous about that. So he left Corinth, came to Thebes. And then, you know, that's where the play takes place. Well, um, Jocasta, to make Oedipus feels better, says, look, just because a prophet says something doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. For instance, <laughs> a prophet <laughs> told us, uh, you know, I used to be married to the previous king, Laius, 
And um, Leia, the guy who was murdered, the guy who was murdered, so, and then everyone's babies are not being born. That, the one who they're all being the murder for, for which everyone is being punished. Um, him, Jocasta used to be married to him, mm-hmm. um, but he received a prophecy one day that his son would kill him and marry her. And so they were like, "Oh, this is bad." Oh, I'm sorry. The marrying part was not there. It was the that um, um, Oedipus would. Uh, I'm sorry. Ooh, awkward. Spoilers. That, well, it's not though because everyone knows this part of it. But do do we? Is is Jocasta's mom? Yes. So Jocasta, Jocasta um, um, sorry. Let me go back. Okay. So Jocasta had received this prophecy that um, Laius would be killed by their son, and so Laius, to avoid this, takes his son, binds his ankles, and throws him in the mountains and leaves him there to die. Is that why he's got swollen feet? And yes. so Jocasta's like, what? look, the prophet said that that would happen, but look, that's not what happened. Laius was killed by a thief. He wasn't killed by his son. So things are good. You prophets should, suck. Yeah, you should ignore prophets. And so Oedipus goes, oh, okay, I feel a lot better. Um, then Oedipus goes into his backstory about his father and mother from Corinth, uh, uh, Polybus, P-O-L-Y-B-U-S, Polybus, Polybus, mm-hmm. and his mother, M-E-R-O-P-E, Merope. Merope? I don't, I don't anyway. know. I wish so, I knew the pronunciations better. That's fine. His mother and father in Corinth, um, there was a rumor that he wasn't actually the, the uh, child of his mother and father. But was found in the woods. Well, the, well, <laughs> there was a rumor. So actually a guy gets drunk and accuses him of not being the legitimate offspring of um, the, the king and queen of Corinth. And so Oedipus goes to uh, the king and queen of Corinth and says, hey, is this true? They like Hem really... Well, they get really angry at the accusation, and that makes Oedipus feel okay. And so he's like, well, life is good. So, But he wanted to know the truth, which, anyway, he wanted to know the truth of whether the king and queen of um, Corinth were his parents, so he went to the oracle at Delphi. And plus, he's concerned because there's a prophecy that says he's going to kill This is what I'm getting to. Dad and, oh, okay. But the, re- the reason oh. he got that prophecy was because he wanted more information. The answer, of, the answer of his parents wasn't enough for him. And so he wanted more. And so he goes to the prophet, the oracle at Delphi, and says, um, am I their kid? And then that's when he gets his prophecy about killing his dad and marrying his mom. And so that then drives him to leave, eventually, Corinth and then come to Thebes. Mm-hmm. Is that, so yes. all these prophecies are kind of mm-hmm. playing around. Okay. So... That happens. That makes him feel better. Um, and on the way to Thebes, he kills somebody. Oedipus tells this funny story about how um, this guy like poked him like a little prod, like a little two two thing prong, and someone like this this guy, this random guy he didn't know, just poked him, and so he got mad and hit him with a stick, and he killed him. He didn't mean to kill him. He got he got really angry, and he wanted to like prove himself, and so he hit him once, and he's like, oh, whoops, I killed the guy. Seems like Oedipus has some anger issues, though. I mean, haven't we all been there? Just yeah, kind of like. <laughs> Just stabs you, pokes you with a fork, and and so and so you overreact back. a little bit, but you hit him in the wrong spot, and he's dead, and then yeah, problem. The yeah. yeah, you got a problem. He, he, yeah, but it was more. I think I think it was his pride that was hit. That um, this older dude was just trying to show, trying to one up him, and he wanted to prove himself, and so he did. He killed that man and his entire company. Oh, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's so whoa. he's like, yeah, I accidentally killed a whole bunch of them by hitting yeah, him on the head. A bunch of them. Yeah, I yeah. Just, <laughs> whoops. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly not a whoops. Like, yeah, he is when you pres- kill that many. The first guy yeah. was maybe a whoops, and then the the second guy, you got to start to less wonder. of a whoops. Yeah, so he, yeah, so he is he is presenting the story, so he's making himself as chair like he he wants you to interpret this charitably, but like clearly he's in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no other way to read this. I I think it would anyway. So that happens. Uh, he tells the story again. He's trying to make himself feel better. Look, my parents are actually the king and queen of Corinth. Okay, great. Well, then all of a sudden a messenger appears, and we'll talk a little bit. But like all these are kind of plot devicey in that like as they need more information, a new person appears, and then the story continues. So a messenger appears from Corinth to tell them that the the, per, the king of Corinth, who Oedipus thought his father was, had had died, has has all of a sudden died. And so Oedipus feels great because he his mom it. is available. No, no, because <laughs> he doesn't. All he right, mom. Because he didn't do it. Because yeah. he didn't yeah. kill his dad. Yeah. So then he says, literally, oh, things are great. Uh, I didn't kill my father. Life is good. And the messenger says, why are you like excited about that? That's kind of weird. And Oedipus says, well, I'm the, I'm the son of that, of the king that just died. Take that prophets. Yeah. Well, then the messenger says, no, you're not. You're no more related to the king than I am. And Oedipus goes, what? How do you know that? Well, turns out the messenger had taken a child, um, to Corinth to, um, um, the king and queen could not have a child of their own. And so they wanted a child. This messenger had been given a child by a shepherd, which we'll get to. And then he had taken that child to Corinth and that child was Oedipus. So the messenger remembered Oedipus and knew that he had taken him to Corinth. 
but there's still this piece missing of um, in the mountain to the messenger. Um, and that's a shepherd who they then call for, who then confirms the rest of the story that the shepherd had found um, that uh, Yocasta had brought this child out to the mountains With to the, the bound. shepherd. Was it bound? I thought they like jammed a rod through his ankles. That's bound. Like, oh. yeah, yeah. So that's why his ankles are swollen is that they like they punched pierced a hole through, yeah, him. through yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, so he ow. still, yeah, he still bears that mark. Sorry. It wasn't just tied up. That's why his ankles are still swollen is that it was like permanent damage done to him. But I mean, he was taken think, out there to be killed. Yeah. So like, yeah. Shepherds ruining all sorts of things. But kind of. So um, Yucasta takes the child out to the shepherd and says, hey, kill this kid. Shepherd's like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then doesn't do it. Uh, isn't that kind of a trope, though? Yeah. Especially in ancient Greek. It's like the whole, like, I'm not going to kill my kid. You, huntsman, kill yeah. my kid. And then it doesn't happen. I mean, we see it again later in but I think that's fairy cool. tales. It's a really common a huntsman. thing. I mean, well, yeah, and that's people the thing they did it. They're right. like, sure, I'll kill that boy. And then they just hand him <laughs> and off And they to raise him as their own. Yeah. yeah, or like leave him in the woods and then some bears find him and... You now got, he's a bear kid. Yeah. Kind of. That would, I, got Mowgli. I, would, I mean, that's what happened to Paris. Remember from the yeah. Iliad? They left him on a mountain and he got raised and turned out he was awesome. And yeah. But this, but instead of being raised by bears, which would be a super cool story, and I would read that one, uh, he is taken to Corinth and instead um, raised essentially as a prince. I mean, well, things it's kind work. of, you got like a Moses thing too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so things, I mean, in one way things work out really well for him, but in the other um, they super don't. They super yeah. don't. I also kind of found out that, uh, I think we might, might have talked about this during the Gilgamesh episode, that the whole putting kids in baskets and floating them down the river thing, that's not just a Moses thing. Mm. Apparently, there are some other like famous king, mm. kings that that happened to. So mm. maybe it was a common like a common way of abortion back then. If, oh, you, wow. if you didn't want to keep your kid. But you couldn't bring yourself bring to Bring yourself to do it. You just plunk them in a basket and send them down the river. And yeah. so if you're, maybe if you're barren and you want kids, you could just like hang out by the river, hang out by the river and like pick up a kid. I mean, oh, crazy. I don't know how common it was, but there's at least one more instance hmm. than Moses. Yeah. Um, so, um, so the, sh- the shepherd comes in, fills in this final, uh, missing plot piece, which, uh, personally in reading it didn't feel totally necessary like it, it they've we've pretty, all figured it out by, by now by this point i think we have but even so um i usually think of the chorus as kind of the um the conscience of the play like how would an audience member react or how should an audience member react and the chorus is rejecting the idea that oedipus has done any of these things up until the very end um they in this part where they're questioning Oedipus's heritage, they're asking like, what God did you descend from? Like they still think that he has divine blood because he saved their city up until the shepherd comes in and confirms the final piece of the the story. But the chorus is supposed to be the townsmen of Thebes, right? Correct. Correct. But it's a group of them. Like, I don't know. It it is an, it is a group Mm -hmm. think um, response to this play. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah. Isn't, isn't the chorus often, like the old men of the city. And so it brings be, in that, that wisdom and that conscience, but they can often like daughter and be a little old fashioned. Sure. And mm-hmm. yeah. I know when you're representing the old men of the city, you can make mistakes. It's actually, it is interesting because, um, um, Aristotle, uh, distinguishes how the chorus is used between, um, Sophocles and Euripides. Um, and for some reason preferred what Sophocles did with them, but we'll have to get to Euripides at some point. But so yeah. how did Oedipus end up marrying Jocasta, who is now yeah, stick with it. So you let me sing at home, have all pieced it together as his mother. Yeah. So um, I'm going to breeze to the end and kind of try and wrap it. Um, we're going to do in 10 minutes because we're at 45 right now. So um, so the um, so we just covered the part where Oedipus coming to Thebes came across this random dude, killed him, came, uh, answered the Sphinx's riddle. And then became king of the city. Well, as king of the city, he got to marry the queen. Mm. The queen was Yocasta. And who had lost her husband to lost. a thief on the road. Yes. And that, because Ooh. very few people had, uh, there was only one guy who came back. That one guy um, was the shepherd who they brought in at the very end. And he confirms everything because he was an actual like eyewitness to what had happened. So gotcha. shepherd can confirm that, in fact, Oedipus is the dude who killed Le- uh, Laius uh, and um, is also the child of Laos and Jocasta. So, uncomfortable question. Yeah. Did Oedipus and Jocasta have children? Yes, they had four children. Uh, two daughters, two sons, and we, uh, um, one of whom is Antigone. And mm. then that is why uh, Antigone is included in the Theban cycle. So that's why it's the, yeah. Yeah. So um, he, well, let me, let me finish the play. So uh, he finds this out. He is, so before he, pe- <laughs> Oedipus is rejecting it as long as he can. But Yucasta has this moment where she realizes this is going horribly. This needs to stop. She orders him, which is 
you know, think about that. Orders him. Mom, wife. Right, right. Orders him to stop Ooh. asking questions. Go to our room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she very clearly connects the dots before he does. Well, um, a few moments before he connects the dots. What was her plan? Just to like... Yeah, stop I, asking. We can just like keep going. But that's an interesting thing um, to think about. Yeah. yeah. But um, so she connects the dots before he does. So she runs inside the palace before he figures it out. He figures it out. Notices that his wife, mom, isn't there. Looks around. Runs into the palace. And um, this part happens off stage, so you don't see any of this. But he finds that she has killed herself. Um, she hangs herself. Oh. Hangs herself. She hangs herself. Uh, so okay, Sad. great. So she hangs herself, and then uh, he takes. This part will not be pleasant, so if you don't want to hear this, skip 30 seconds. Yeah, if, you've, yeah, kids, well, if you're maybe. listening to this one mm-hmm. with kids, then I don't know what your deal is, but I'm oh, sorry. So um, he takes a brooch from, just this episode in particular, he takes a brooch from his wife's, that his wife was wearing, and he um, stabs his eyes out. And he gives three different reasons for why he stabs them out, but essentially he has done such wickedness, and he can never make it right, that he doesn't want to look at his failure anymore. He can't stand the sight of what he has done. And his kids, right? Isn't one of the yes. reasons he does not want to look on the face of his children who are his... The, the shame. Brothers, um, his brother, brother, child. And he, he oh. talks about that. Oh. I know. Brother and brother and son both, daughter and... Um, or and whatever it is. Yeah. Sister, daughter, both. Yeah, sister, daughter, both, which... Yeah. I remember reading this in ninth grade. That was a rough class. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yikes. So she hangs herself. He blinds himself. Um, he then comes out. Um, he, um, there's kind of this back and forth between but, him. And- which is great theater. I mean, like Oedipus coming out, blood streaming, yes. crying. I mean, that's Can you imagine a, that moment? just a high, high tragedy. Yeah. And that's uh, one of the goals that Aristotle talks about is catharsis. You want to feel this emotion without actually having experienced the stuff going on because that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, you want to feel emotion. You want to be tied to these characters. And so Oedipus, come, um, Oedipus comes out, and again, like Graham was saying, uh, often portrayed with the blood still coming from his eyes. Um, uh, he and Creon have a back and forth. Creon won't banish him because it's a, he says the gods have to do it, but Oedipus says he must be banished for what he has done. Uh, Oedipus banishes himself, but before he leaves, he wants to see his children. Two of his children come out. I believe it's Talk his two. to his children, I guess. Well, he wants... Um, can't see him. Can't see them anymore. What is to pet them yeah. uh, to cry to, to essentially to cry with them oh, okay um and um he holds them one last time uh expresses his sorrow and then he leaves um to wander the wilderness to wander the wilderness and that is where the next play that i'll talk about probably in three weeks um occurs that's oedipus at colonus um in that play it's antigone who has gone with him but i believe there are discrepancies in the age because in reading it i thought his kid sounded like super young but antigone is like with him on this journey and she's older um, and she's much older by the time of Antigone, the third play. Um, okay, so that's the play itself. Um, I, Oracles, man, they're such jerks. There's something to that. They're like, just telling truth, man. But that's the thing. Like, Yeah, but they're doing it in a way that twists your head all around. True. They were not speaking clearly to him. He misunderstood them and acted poorly. And the at no point did the prophets force his hand. You're it's whispering their leave talk. You know that the Oracle... Well, the Oracle of Delphi, you go into the cave and it talks to you. But the other one is you sit under a tree and you fall asleep and you hear the hear the the Oracle spoken to you with the blowing, like through the, the wind through the leaves tells you what you're supposed to do. Oh, I think you make this stuff up. No, I'm serious. Can't trust those. Apparently, I'm supposed to rustle. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, so, and that was how many a rustler was made in the old <laughs> Wild West. Um, so, there were a few reasons of wanting to do this play. Again, chronology is probably the most um, important one. Um, so, even to see a character show up so soon between the Odyssey and now, again, kind of back to back in terms of reading great books. Um, the other one is that I think this. Is, I was a psychology major in undergrad and most of what Freud and Jung did in psychoanalysis is not favored in modern psychology, but, um, he's still hugely important and is still widely read. Um, and I think most people would associate with Oedipus Rex, the Oedipal complex, right? Yeah. Which is sort of a misnomer because the Oedipal complex is someone who has an unnatural desire for their mom, their mother. Whereas didn't want his mom at all. Whereas in the play, he stabbed his eyes out. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's the main part to me. That's like, it, to give that the name, you only did it because these two plot elements kind of lined up. Yeah. And that's a frustrating reading of this play. Um, so, I mean, that was a piece of it. The other is that, um, uh, while I wish I could have read more, um, it is a beautiful, like it's beautifully written. Like the plot of it is, is vile, but that's the point of it. Like um, what is condemned in this play, like obviously um, the marriage and murder that Oedipus does is condemned. But also, it's uh, Oedipus's pride and arrogance that he is told over and over again what to do, 
um, that he is warned over and over again about marriage and about murder. And he still goes about murdering and marrying. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think that's more the takeaway. Like this, this stands as a warning of pride and violent anger. There are multiple points where, uh, Oedipus through the play grows in his, um, when he wants information, he's willing to murder. He almost murders, um, the shepherd who comes in at the very end. He almost murders the messenger, uh, and is, and threatens Creon with death and also, um, Tiresias. So as soon as he doesn't get what he wants, he, he threatens murder. So, but he, I mean, how many times have you felt pretty hostile towards your email inbox? But I don't actually like, um, um, he, he has his guards grab, the shepherd and is twisting his arm as if to break it and will break and will order the guard to break it if needed. Like that's different than my anger in that I can't, and then I'm not actually doing anything with it. I don't know, but it's, it's, Oh, it's, the, it's different for sure. Yeah. I was, yeah, it's you the were headlong fine. desire for, um, like, what is it? The headlong desire for knowing everything about a subject. Is it, sure. even, I think it's even if you're that. not, even if you're warned that you don't want to know this, this is not, this is something that would be, you know, should, remain in the past don't care don't worry about it don't think about it uh it's kind of that um that desire that you have to because to of curiosity maybe yes that's but it's a it's a it's a stronger than curiosity because he's not just like mm, interested he's almost obsessed with it like yes. enough that he's going to travel enough that he's going to go to the or the gods enough mm-hmm. that he's going to um you know use the resources of his kingdom to get it because there's a point where like the further knowledge I don't know. There's a point at which he needs the knowledge so he can like deal with this and cure the city. But everything up until that point could have been avoided with him saying, okay, I've received all the information I need. I'm good. Like it's, I think it, I think a piece of it is a warning against a certain type of curiosity. You're going to say something. Well, I was going to say, is this also sort of a running unwisely running from your fate is a bad idea. I mean, cause he, yeah. like his solution was to run away from the fate that he thought was coming. And that's the thing that actually made it happen. And we see the same thing kind of with Achilles a little bit, where he decides to go home and then he's thrown back into the throes nonetheless by the death of his friend Patroclus yeah. or Patroclus. And I, I mean, that seems to be kind of a common theme that your fate is your fate. And as, as a man, it is irresistible. Um, but blaming the gods for your bad choices on the same token, like that's, yeah. that, that seems to be the message of Iliad and the Odyssey back to back, right? The Iliad, fate is fate. Yeah. Um, and it rules over even Zeus. And then, Round two, they're like, yeah, but the the humans blame the gods for a lot of stuff that's their own dang fault. Yeah. Like uh, the guy that killed Agamemnon when he got home, he he blamed the gods for his own wrongdoing. Yeah. Um, so um, this is the first of the three Theban plays. We'll go through Oedipus at Colonus next and then Antigone afterwards. Yeah. Um, again, Oedipus wrecks this first one, uh, one second place uh, at the Dionysia. So um, it is even the uh, potentially the weakest of the three Um it you know obviously depends, but it was it was written um, second of these three plays. Antigone, the last play chronologically in in order, was the first one that he wrote. In fact, um, so it's kind of an interesting thing with that. Um, we're sitting close to the one hour, so cool. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for listening. This has been classical stuff you should know. And if you'd like to contact us, you can send us emails at classicalstuff at veritasacademy.net. You can check out our website, classicalstuff.net. We got all our episodes up there, and there's some pictures of us down at the bottom if you want to see our beautiful mugs. Uh, you can check us, you can tw- twit at us at, at C-L-S-S-C-A-L stuff dot. Nope. Still no. <laughs> com oh and uh i i mean we've she complained and we forgot to to fix this but Catherine's heritage oh, right her mm-hmm. her rich what was it her rich uncle or her like great great grand uncle fixed chariots for yeah. it was, it was yeah. alexander the great right no no it was uh william the conqueror william the oh. conqueror alexander the great <laughs> way off uh <clears throat> so it it wasn't he didn't repair chariots he wasn't the confectioner um he actually herded the goats. Mm. Yeah, mm. he was a goat wow. herd. Well, William the Conqueror was known to put on uh, theater festivals. Yes, he had won many a goat. Yeah, and yeah. so he needed a lot of goats to give away. Yeah. And he, mm-hmm. you know, he was he was very pr- proud of the goats that he would give. They mm-hmm. had to be really nice specimen mm-hmm. of go- Only goat Only the finest specimens. of goats. Only yes. the finest of yes. goats. Uh, so Without marker blemish. Yeah, so... Catherine cannot claim uh-huh. the high heritage she no. thought mm-hmm. she could. Nope. She is a glorified herder. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you see Catherine, please in the remind hall, her. Mm-hmm. Remind yeah. her of her heritage as mm-hmm. a farmer. Yeah. Um, and I think that does it for us. Sure does. So, so again, a reminder: 
If you want to come down and check us out at our live podcast recording, we are recording on Thursday. Uh, what's the date? I'm bad at dates. Today is the... Thursday the 23rd? So Thursday the 23rd of... This is August, right? Mm-hmm. And it's of at 10, August. It's at wow. 10 if you're going to be here. At 10 o'clock. Yeah. And we'll be there. You can come and listen. We'll be talking about uh, Boethius. Boethius and the Constellation of Philosophy, which we've referenced a couple of times. We will all be reading it in preparation. So it'll be a fun time, I promise. And if you don't feel like coming all the way out and seeing what days. we look like and being... And listen to it. Yeah. You know... And having your fears confirmed that we are actually not that handsome. Oh, no. Uh, you can listen to it on the podcast and imagine us as young Adonises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thanks for listening. This is Classical Stuff signing off. Bye. Bye.